Good morning, Mission Vineyard. Good morning. My name is John Relly. I'm one of the pastors here. It's a joy to be with you, uh, to be singing to this morning with our band and to play bass this morning. It's a fun new opportunity for me. Uh, our mission is to welcome Jesus into all of life. So because that's our mission, we lean into this simple liturgy that the Vineyard has had for a long, long time. If you want to stand, you can stand with me. Our simple liturgy is just come Holy Spirit. It's just three words that says, God, I opened the door of my heart this morning and I asked for you to come. It's open. Do whatever you want. Have your way. Don't hold back. Come Holy Spirit. That's our prayer this morning. So God, we have this posture as we engage this morning. We ask that you would just continue as we worship this morning. Good morning to those of you who are online. Good morning to those of you who are in person. And uh, yeah, Destiny, would you lead us this morning. Okay, good morning. It's the Sunday before Thanksgiving, so I have a psalm for us. Psalm 95. Come, let us sing to the Lord, which is what we're about to do. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him, for the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hand the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. If only you would listen to his voice today. This morning we're going to be rejoicing quite a bit about just how good he is and giving back our gratefulness and our thankfulness to him.
joy comes in the morning and when the oceans rage i don't have to be afraid because i know that you love me your love never fails and you will have
I'd like us to 
actively engage in Jesus being with us by imagining him sitting next to us and offering you the communion elements. Just like he did the disciples, because you are his disciples. So close your eyes if you'd like to truly and deeply drink of his fellowship this morning. So would you pray with me before I lead us through this? Jesus, thank you that you are here with us and are offering us yourself this very moment. Bless this bread and wine as we receive it from you today. I'll be using scriptures from Luke 22, but I encourage you to close your eyes and just imagine Jesus saying this to you personally since you are his disciple too. Jesus says to you, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he takes bread and gives thanks, breaks it, and gives it to you saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread. Likewise, he also takes the cup, saying to you, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Let's drink the juice. Let's just take a moment to respond to Jesus personally in our own hearts.
have Bruce with the notes. Okay, hello. Good morning, everyone. Morning, morning. Uh, so my name is Bruce. Um, uh, so welcome to Mission Vineyard. Um, um, if you are the first time coming to our church, so we're just honored to have you with us. And then we do have some gifts, like a mana bag that if you want, you can grab it. And then it's basically, yeah, like this, like you share some essentials with people, you know, in need. Uh, it's like a way how we like um, serve back to the community. Um, some announcement today. Uh, the first thing is the, uh, the worship and the praise service happening tonight at uh, Harmony Hill Park. So, yeah, um, you can grab, a, uh, it, it's at the 5.30 um, tonight, and then you can grab a chair, and then if you want to um, bring some uh, dinner, and then you can bring that too. And basically, we'll just do worship, and then we'll just praise God, and in that happening in that park. Uh, another announcement is a season of Advent. So we have like four weeks before Christmas. So, yeah. Uh, so what happened, uh, we have this like kit, like a... Uh, um, was uh, like those kind of like a bag, like a candles. Yeah, so we get everybody, each household has one. Um, if you cannot physically uh, attend um, uh, this uh, church, like come grab it, then you can email infomissionvineyard.org and you can uh, grab it. Uh, so we, we get someone to drop uh, to your house. Uh, but yeah, the, we get uh, each Sunday, we'll light up one, and then at Christmas, we'll light the last one. Um, and lastly, I'm just going to pray really quick. Um, yeah, just, uh, uh, God, just uh, pray for all the, um, just pray for the giving and just pray for all the resources we have. God, just um, pray that give us knowledge to know how to best use all that we have, Lord. And just open doors to us to just gain more, um, not for us, Lord, but for building your kingdom. So, Lord, just um, father us and teaching us every day. Open our hearts this morning to receive what you prepare for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Uh, Janie, do you mind coming up for a moment? I know I'm surprising you. It's okay. We'll figure it out. Uh, this is Janie Morales, y'all. You can, you can cheer for her. She doesn't like being the center of attention, and all she does is serve, 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 serve. And one of the things she serves at, is at uh, Hawthorne Academy just down the street from us. And what's your job again? I'm a school counselor. Janie's a school counselor at Hawthorne. And at Hawthorne, there's been some significant challenges with the students. And one that took you out, actually, for a week. Like, you had to stay home. Uh, and then you led something that was, I think was amazing. Tell us what the students did. They made videos, TikToks. What did they do? Um, so uh, there was um, TikTok challenges where it was to destroy the school property, you know, in the restrooms and stuff like that. And so I thought of an idea. I said, well, let me ask the pastor first if there was a way that Mission Vineyard could support um, having a pizza party I, um, for our 6th, 7th, and 8th graders to do a TikTok challenge for Unity Day. Unity Day is National um, Anti-Bullying Awareness Day. And so I thought, let me, um, if we can have a challenge, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, do a dance, a TikTok dance to promote everybody wear orange and promote um, anti-bullying. And I asked Pastor um, if it was a possibility if they could um, sponsor the pizza party. And having the support, I went and I presented the idea to the students. And so they were all for it. It was one six, we have four, six, uh, three sixth grade classes, and one class did it all together with their teacher. The seventh and eighth grade also participated. And so we had the district come in and take pictures. And it was a really nice event. 
And what made it more amazing was that Pastor um, John and uh, Arleta supported the idea of just sponsoring the whole um, entire participants. And so it was really nice to have that. They were very appreciative about it. And it was just a way of us to promote kindness and then also to have an opportunity to have the students lead this um, positive um, TikTok. So we, we think about what it means to be kingdom people in your workplace, to be welcoming Jesus into all of life. This was just a simple thing that I think the Holy Spirit gave you, Jeannie. And then you said, by the way, you need to come and pray for my principal, who's an amazing person. Just we And we had, a, I don't know, almost an hour of just prayer, just blessing her. And there, there, is, there are a lot of spiritual strongholds at Hawthorne, and God is removing them, and he's doing some work in the in the practical and the spiritual. And so would you all just extend a hand to Janie? I just feel like you have been in, in, in you've been in it. <laughs> with, with SAIST schools, and this is the second school you've been with, and I just feel like God's called you to be a beacon of hope and his kingdom work there. So let's just pray for Janie, would you? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for Janie, for her whole family, God, for the way that they continue to lay down their lives for you. All for you, Jesus. There's no one like you, Lord. God, um, she's been taken out here and there, Lord. Uh, but you, you never let us down. And so you've picked her up. And God, I ask this morning, as a congregation, we say, be filled with the Holy Spirit, Janie. Be filled. Be strengthened where you feel weak. Be clothed with his light. Be filled with his life. Lord, that you'd send your holy angels to minister to her, her family, her school, guard and protect them from all sickness and harm and accidents. God, give them safety as they minister, we ask in the name of Jesus. We bless you as a congregation in Jesus' name. Amen. God is continuing to lead us as a church to minister to schools and to teachers and to support teachers and uh, children. Uh, we're talking with the Duseum as we renew our contract this year into the next year about what it would mean to support single moms and military families with, like, uh, parents' night outs and that kind of stuff. We're, we're continuing to just try to follow the Holy Spirit and what it means to support kids. One of those ways is through One Hope for Kids, our partner agency. It's become almost the largest agency in San Antonio in less than 10 years. Uh, it is supported by churches like us. And then on December 12th, we're welcoming uh, John and Katie Wilhelm. We're going to have a table in the back after the service. We're going to have an Orphan Sunday. And if you want to find out more about uh, foster and adoption, we're raising $3,000 for One Hope for Kids during Advent. And uh, we want you to find out more about them. So remember December 12th, in the back, there'll be just some snacky food so you can hang out and just listen for about 30 to 45 minutes about what One Hope for Kids is. But through Advent, beginning next week, we're asking that you would sacrifice one present, just one present, and say, well, sorry, kid, you're not getting it. No. Uh, that you would focus on intentional ways that you can serve one another instead of just giving that 30 bucks or whatever it is to that person, and that you would, you would supply that 30 bucks here to the church so we can support One Hope for Kids as they continue to support families to foster and adopt children here in San Antonio. We have a video about that, so if we can play that, then uh, we'll, I'll welcome Randall up.
So we hope next week we begin together to focus on spending more time with one another, investing in one another more, and uh, setting aside just a little money for One Hope for Kids. Randall, would you come and minister to us in this last sermon in our series on gratitude? Thank you, Randall, for so much in helping to design this series, and we bless you this morning as you preach. Thank you, John. That's, that's overstated, I think, but thank you for the privilege of making people have to listen to me, so <laughs> your captive audience. Now, this has been a, a great series. I did have the opportunity to start it way back when, uh, this series on developing a great uh, gratitude, but a grateful heart. Certainly a part of Thanksgiving is just uh, multiple ways to celebrate God's goodness in our life. And I hope that this time of these several sermons that we've had up until today, uh, this is the last one, so you can celebrate that some way. Uh, but it's also uh, a, a bridge to what we're about to begin in Advent. And what a, uh, an appropriate way to begin to uh, conceive of and to transform and shift gears into the advent of Jesus' coming and being with us. He's certainly with us all the time, but for our ability to focus on that, uh, it's sometimes helpful for us to have a platform to do that, to uh, consider uh, the appropriate way that we think of Him, uh, to embrace Him more. And so I was really happy that we decided to prepare for Advent through these several weeks of Thanksgiving. Uh, of celebrating. So I hope it's been a time of, of eye-opening uh, things about uh, various things that we can be grateful for. And I hope that all of us have had a, a chance to let God develop in us a grateful heart. Uh, we welcome Jesus in everything that we do, as John says to us almost every week, and that's who we are as a, as a church. But one of the ways we can welcome God into every area of our life, welcome Jesus there, His Spirit in us, is certainly in this area of gratitude. Uh, I think that of all people in the world, in a world that's been rather uh, undermined in a lot of ways, we see different things culturally, uh, health-wise. Uh, we, could, we could spend all time today in the sermon just naming everything that's happened. But we, of all people, have that opportunity of serving a God that is not only with us, He is for us, He fights for us, and so we have this great opportunity, even in the midst of everything, to uh, express gratitude for His goodness in the midst, because everything that God does is good, and so this goodness is so important. So we're in something of a transition, and today, to, to kind of end the series is, is a little apocalyptic, uh, but it, it is important to think through a few things, and I, I was going to go in another direction, quite honestly, and that's not an excuse for a lame, uh, off-the-cuff sermon, but I, I recall an article that really had an impact on me several, several years ago uh, by the man Francis Schaeffer, and he had written a book called True Spirituality. But he condensed out of that uh, book an article called Why Contentment Stems from a Grateful Heart. Now, I want you to think about that title for a minute. I want to come back to this idea of contentment. But uh, 
Francis Schaeffer talks about in everything, give thanks. He says we read and we've used several times in this series, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And this is linked to the next verse as well, uh, verse 19, which says, quench not the spirit. Surely, Francis Safer says, one thing is clear, God saves us in everything give, or God says to us, in everything give thanks. And this is a, 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 the most significant part for me. He says, I think we can see all this in the proper perspective if we go back to Romans chapter 1, verses 21 to 23, and I'm going to add 24 or 25 in there. And, and, and Romans reads this way, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for other images. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give Him thanks. And claiming to be wise, they became fools. So Schaefer says this is the central point of this passage. They were not thankful. So all of a sudden, it just reoccurred to me, it's not just that we're so happy that we get to be thankful Thankfulness is the very way that we honor God in our relationship with Him. And I would say it is the primary way, if not the primary, one of the most essential ways of preparing for His coming, once again, our celebration of His coming here. Instead of giving thanks, they became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They professed themselves to be wise, as the text says, but they became fools. The beginning, according to Francis Schaeffer here, is uh, uh, they did not have, or the beginning of men's rebellion against God was and is the lack of a thankful heart. They did not have proper thankful hearts, seeing themselves as creatures before the Creator and being bowed not only on their knees, but being bowed in their stubbornness of heart. The rebellion is a deliberate refusal to be the creature before the Creator to the extent of being thankful. Love must carry with it a thank you, not a superficial or official way, but in being thankful and saying in the mind, in the heart, and with one voice, thank you, God. Now, that's pretty tough. He makes it an issue of not this nice option that we get to be thankful, if we have a relationship with God, we are thankful. And thankfulness is a means of not only thanking Him, but it is a means of honoring Him and testifying of Him, of the very stories that we have to share about what God has done in every area of our life. Now, that doesn't mean we don't still need God for other things, that we're not believing for Him. But I want us to return a little bit because of what I feel God really has put on my heart today about his title, about the, the sense of why con contentment stems from a thankful heart. It seems to me that he is saying, 
in a way he's sort of paraphrasing what Paul has said, that if we're truly thankful, then contentment, a certain kind of contentment comes in our lives. Now, sometimes we think of contentment, we might be thinking of something like complacency. Yeah, I'm content, it's cool. Uh, Or maybe something like apathy or even resignation. That's that's not certainly the biblical idea. That's not Schaefer's idea of contentment. That's not not mine. But just as Paul in the Romans passage has laid the groundwork for the significance of thanksgiving in our lives, of a uh, grateful heart, I want to go this morning, take a little bit of a step if I can, to Paul's great greatest treatise on contentment. And that's really the entire book of Philippians. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to preach the whole book of Philippians, even though it's short. uh, It's only four chapters, but we don't have time for all of that. But there is, in chapter 4 of Philippians, a passage that has gripped me uh, way back in my life, a time in my life. uh, I I don't want to go into all of it, But just to give you an idea of what this has meant to me, uh, after uh, many years of studying, becoming a seminary teacher, and getting a chance to go and and share and teach in in the land of Argentina, uh, for many years, uh, my marriage fell apart. And uh, I was in a certain denomination at the time that uh, rather facetiously they would say in seminary, If you're going to have trouble with your wife, you probably ought to kill her because if you get divorced, they'll never forgive you for that. So that's pretty gross, uh, pretty cynical, etc. But part of that was true. Once you're divorced, that's sort of the red badge uh, and you're done. And most of my friends that I had, not many, but those that did, about the only way they could continue ministering in that particular circle was to become a hospital chaplain. They would let you do that. But it was hard to be ordained. It was hard to continue to do what God had called many of us to do. And so this passage, this book, became a godsend to me because it wasn't so much what I could not do. It became about what I was not. It was what I had not been in all of that study, all of that ministry, all of that teaching, all of those things that I had spent so much time and effort and believing that was God's call in my life, and I I still do believe that. But apart from all of that, I was not learning to be the kind of man that God wanted me to be. So fortunately, the book of Philippians came to my rescue, and it came to my rescue in part through this concept of Paul's view of contentment. In chapter 4 of Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 13, Paul talks about it this way, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything, or maybe almost everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty one with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ, or one of the translations you're familiar, I can do all things, but I can do each and everything through Christ who gives me strength. So that lit a fire inside of my heart. The Holy Spirit got a hold of me 
in that moment, in one of my darkest moments, perhaps the darkest moment in my life. And he reached through to me and talked to me about this secret of contentment. First of all, I think Paul's talking about, I've looked up various definitions, but he really says what he means here. It's an attitude, attitude which produces an ability to live and operate in any circumstance. Doesn't matter how poor me, I lost this or I lost that or I've had this or I don't have that. That in any circumstance that he would give me the opportunity the ability to live, and regardless of the situation, an ability to overcome, to experience joy and fulfillment in every situation. So it's a secret, though. Paul says, I've learned the secret of how to be content, the secret of contentment. Now, it's not secret like nobody can know it. It's, I think it's a secret in the sense that it's not so obvious for us what develops the opportunity to be content in us, the contentment. It's not so obvious. It's not particularly natural either. Just being a good person, just staying out of trouble, being nice to people, that doesn't automatically make one of us content. It is, however, as a secret, it is a privilege that God bestows on those who need it desperately. That it comes out of this sense of thankfulness, and it's not that we need to be thankful so we can be content, it's that the engine of thankfulness is the engine of contentment with Him. And so he talks about this. Now, Paul also says there that I have learned to be content. So it's, it's not something that we're born with, apparently, but it's an acquired virtue. So there's some effort there. There's some opportunity. There's some recognition for us. Maybe, as in my case, it's a desperation. that I can't go on. I can't live this way. But God, I realize that there is a way in you. And so I could add here the, the, the idea of an acquired virtue, Proverbs 1.5 a couple of Proverbs I love. Let the wise listen and learn yet more, and a person of discernment will acquire the art of guidance. That's the New Jerusalem Bible translation. Proverbs 4, 5, acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Uh, and that's the mouth of the Lord. So results of a process of experience, a process of thankfulness in our heart. So we've been talking for uh, weeks now about the, the opportunity to develop a grateful heart. Well, I just want you to know that there's more at stake potentially for each and every one of us in whatever circumstance we find ourselves through allowing God to develop in us this secret of contentment. Now, one of the ways that Paul uh, talks about it's his testimony really is a big part of this conclusion in chapter 4 that's called this secret of contentment. First of all, and it's not necessarily in the order uh, per se of the book, but I want to fall back a little bit on what Paul has said up to this point. The, the passage that really changed my life forever 
And for the good was found in Philippians 3, 7 through 14. Uh, Just bear with me. I'd like to read all of that, skip a little bit of it. But let me read it this way. Uh, This is the New Living Bible translation. I really like the way it says what it's saying. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the surpassing value or for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered, this is Paul, I have suffered the loss of everything or all things, and count them, however, but rubbish, so that I might gain Christ, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, Habakkuk, one of my favorite prophets, I'm an Old Testament uh, teacher by trade, and by passion as well. But Habakkuk 3.17 kind of jumps in there where Paul's going, and I love the way he says it, even though I lose everything, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the highest heights. So God would equip us. God would do something in us, even not only through our gratitude, but to compound that gratitude at the same moment for us. And so he talks about this surpassing value. I believe that the opportunity, the secret of contentment is that something is going to happen in our life. For me, it made me so desperate that all I would want is the surpassing value of knowing Him. Not the surpassing value of getting a doctor's degree so I could teach and stand in front of people and make sure they knew I was wise, but that they could learn and they could do stuff with that. There is a sense of pride in that. There is a sense of accomplishment in that. And that is part of that that Paul talks about. That instead of being thankful to him, we thought we were wise, but we were fools. And I'd been a Christian since I was seven, but I was in my early 30s before I became a searcher for that surpassing value of knowing him. So you can't have this contentment. It's, it's, it's a secret, but a part of the secret is, do you have that kind of surpassing, valuable relationship with the Lord Jesus? If you don't, today we're going to have prayer team later, and please don't leave. Maybe God's doing something or allowing something in your life, and you need something surpassing. Not just that it's the greatest thing. Surpassing means to overcome to surpass where you are. And contentment is a part of that. But the contentment is also driven by how thankful we are that God has done, how, how what Jesus has done for us, and by giving us His Holy Spirit. Now, a second secret for Paul 
is found in that great chapter 2 where Paul talks about Jesus emptying himself to dwell among us. Let me read a few of these verses here in chapter 2, the first eight verses here. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in the, uh, the uh, interests of others. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to take advantage of. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges He took the humble position of a servant and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died the death of a criminal on the cross. So the second secret of this contentment is the secret of serving people. And we've been talking a lot this year about the opportunity we have to engage others. One of the great joys in my life has been, we just moved to uh, San Antonio, Shirts is actually where we live, in, in 2018. And we leased our house first because we wanted to make sure this was the right neighborhood that we wanted, but we had an opportunity to purchase the house too. So I was glad I did that because within about uh, five or six months, we knew this was a place we needed to be. And there were people all around us that we had access to. But here recently, one of the people that I've had access to, and many of you have heard me ask for prayer for him, uh, he's a neighbor of mine, uh, Air Force veteran, served in Vietnam, uh, handled a lot of Agent Orange, uh, but unfortunately not in the country of Vietnam, in Formosa then, or Taiwan. And so because of that, he, that exposure to Agent Orange, he has Parkinson's extremely badly. He's in stage four of Parkinson's. And one of his sadnesses, one of his griefs is that the VA won't completely cover him because he wasn't in Vietnam exposed to it. But all the Agent Orange that went to Vietnam went through Taiwan, and he was a part of that group that handled that. So, you can imagine how not only difficult he had to retire from his work, he's a real brainiac, he was an intelligence officer in the Air Force eventually, and he was uh, a very successful businessman coming out of. But they lived in North Carolina, they had to move here because they had a two-story house and he couldn't get up and down the stairs anymore because of his Parkinson's. So I got to meet him one day. I'd met his wife a few times walking up and down the street, and he had fallen, and he needed to go to the VA hospital. He was so weak. And so she came and asked me if I would help put him in the car so he could go. And I said, well, I will follow you because you're going to need somebody to help you get him out of the car. So that began the relationship with both of them. And so I've had opportunity to be in his, I don't want to use his name, we're out in the public here online, but to, to 
share with my neighbor just God's love for him, God's concern for him, to pray for him, and to become his friend. And it was a, an eye-opening thing for me, not because I had never done something like that, but maybe it's just where I am right now, that I realized that the best way to engage him is to serve him. To do whatever, just to show up and pray with him, to talk about anything that he wanted to, to engage him, to be his friend, not to run away from him, and to give his wife a break to go to the store so she didn't have to worry about him, and those things. Now, I'm not saying that to brag about that, hey, let me pat myself on the back. What I've learned is the contentment of being able to serve somebody to engage them. We're always looking for ways to engage the people around us. Now, I grew up in an evangelical denomination really strong, and, and pretty much all you were supposed to do for people was to witness to them and get them saved so you could put a notch on your belt, you know? Now, I'm not putting down witnessing. Don't hear me say that. But there's more to life than just that. If we love them, if we have a chance to express God to them, then we have a chance to serve them in the most powerful ways that you cannot even imagine. And, and the irony of ironies is just as that surpassing value got me through everything that I felt like I was losing, and God has certainly more than restored all of that to me and to my wife, and we have a great blended family, and we've been married over 37 years now. So God can restore, but... There's more to contentment than just that special relationship. That's the key, perhaps, to everything, certainly. But to be able to serve like Jesus did, he came and he said, I didn't come to be served in Mark. I came to serve. And so if the Son of Man, the, the, the King of the kingdom of God, is going to serve, yes, we ought to. But the secret of serving is the secret of of contentment that comes in you that you can do something that matters. You don't have to save the world, just serve someone. And serving is the, the doorway into engagement with everything you know about Him, with all the good that you've experienced, all the things for which you're thankful. You can share that with them as well. And you might not be surprised, but the third secret, back to chapter 4, is the secret of joy. That a big part of contentment in our life is a joy that wells. In fact, it's one of the fruit of the Spirit. I'm, I'm the one that believes that those fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 are somewhat progressive. All that By that I mean that the first fruit is to love. And love opens a door for joy. And joy opens a door for peace. And peace opens a door for we sometimes call it patience, but I think it's forgiveness is what that is, et cetera, et cetera. But here Paul talks about in chapter 4, verse 4, you've heard this verse over and over again. You guys could, could quote it. Rejoice in the Lord always, and this is New Living Bible translation. Again, let me say rejoice. So it is a command, but it's not just something you can conjure up. It comes out of that special relationship, that surpassing value of knowing Christ. It comes out of the opportunity to serve others around us, whether it's with a manna bag or whether it's with going down uh, 
and finding out your neighbors and offering things. I have a, a financial planner that he and I became good friends. At one point in my life, I thought I was going to become the president of a college, and he was a graduate of that college. And he was, in fact, he was a financial guy, worked for CBN at the time uh, while I was at Regent University. And so I asked him, if I get this job, I want you to be my chief financial officer. Well, that made us really good buddies, even though I didn't get that job. Uh, and he does all my investments for me, and that's been a blessing as well. But one of the things I learned from him is he has a business, and he wants to uh, reach out to people with his faith. But he decided instead of sending everyone a Christmas card, because he had a lot of Jewish customers and all, he decided to send everyone a Thanksgiving card. And so at Thanksgiving, he sends a card to everybody that is in his business, everyone he knows, uh, provoking his, their Thanksgiving by his Thanksgiving for them and letting him serve them. Well, copycat Pinnell, uh, I'm, I've bought me a bunch of Thanksgiving cards. Uh, you can get those through the business part of Hallmark, and you can buy them in bulk, and you can actually even get them engraved a little bit. Well, I'm going to give everybody on my block a Thanksgiving card. Now, I'm only telling you that, not to brag about that, but it's an idea. Because I know bunches of them, but there's still some people. Now, last year, I thought I'd be cool, and I forgot what my friend did. So I went and bought everyone a variegated poinsettia, or poinsettia, depending on what part of the country you're from. Uh, but I bought that and took those, but I just took it to the people that I really knew. But this year, I've got, we, Kay and I have these Thanksgiving cards, and I'm going to hand deliver them all. I did the poinsettias, but uh, those that I don't know, I hope I get a chance to meet them and just say I'm doing this. So I'm going to be that guy. Uh, none of you live on my street, so, you know, but if you did, please open the door when I knock. But anyway, just an opportunity to find what God has done to us, the Thanksgiving, to be able to reach out to others. There's a joy in that, a joy of thanking God for them, of reaching to them, of inviting Christ not only into every area of our life, but finding a way to offer Christ and that invitation for them in every area of their life, no matter where they are, especially if like my friend with the Parkinson's, they really need somebody because he can't go to church. I'm his church. Kay and I are his church. And you can do that for someone. So the secret of contentment, I think, that Paul talks about is this secret of this surpassing value of leaning into that with all your worth, especially if you feel like God's letting you down, if your life has gone down the drain or feels like it is. All I can tell you is there is something so much more valuable that you could, like Paul, say, if I lose everything, I have this, and this is more than enough. But it also leads to the opportunity of engaging people with something that matters, not just to make us not feel guilty about what we're not doing, but the opportunity that we can do to serve them just like Jesus did. And that can take any form whatsoever. Sometimes showing up is serving them. It's not about level, a merit badge, or a box to check. 
It's about leaning into the secret of contentment. And guess what? Contentment is contagious for those that you have a chance to suffer. So by conclusion, I guess I probably ought to quit before you all say, you know, I was content for the first hour and a half, but I'm not so much. Paul kind of concludes for us in, again in chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. Let your gentle spirit be known to all. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, hear this, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God... I kind of think peace is almost a synonym for contentment, right? Peace of God, which exceeds anything we can understand, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus forever. So the contentment of a thankful heart that Francis has talked about is is this, a surpassing relationship, serving, joy, and peace. I'd like to close with Psalm 131, I think this really says a lot, but it's a prayer. So I'd like to pray this over all of us, uh, and um, then we will uh, let the musicians come back up there doing that good. So this is Psalm 131. O Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty. I do not get involved with things too great or too wondrous for me. I have even calmed and contented myself like a weaned child with, his, with his, its mother. Yes, like a weaned child, I am content. O oh, Israel, that you would wait, hopefully, in the Lord, both now and forever. Amen. Can we see the things before and we're going to sing and then we'll have our prayer people come and this is our prayer folks that pray before the service and they have impressions of what God wants to say or do and so these are some of their impressions freedom from the past amen to that whatever the issue is God has it do not give up a financial need an issue with weight a heavy issue a need for patience and a clarity of thought, freedom from brain fog. So these are some of those things. So we have folks here to pray with you if that's you. Those of you online that are listening to us, thank you for joining us today. It's quite a privilege, even though we can't see you. We're glad that you're here and hearing God's word and sharing in the worship with us. So we're going to pray. And then we'll have our group uh, lead us, our worship team. And then we'll invite you to come or to uh, contact us on our website if you have prayer. Let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for the contentment that comes from a thankful heart. Lord, would you increase thankfulness within us? Would you increase the opportunities not only for us to become more thankful, but would you include opportunities for us to recognize the surpassing value of knowing you, the opportunity to serve others, and the joy that comes from knowing you and welcoming you into every area of our lives and every life in which we come in contact. We pray this in Jesus' name.
isn't it amazing that we don't have to do this alone? The Lord didn't say, I'm giving you all these things so you can climb and strive and try to look like Jesus all on your own. So if you would sing with us, we're just singing back to him that he's the one that carries us. I'm waiting, you're running, and I lean into you.